0: Hello! Regular listeners know to expect graphic language every week, but we just wanted to give you a heads up that this episode contains detailed descriptions of violence and drug use. If these things may be a trigger for you, go back and listen to the Tickle Me Elmo episode again. If they don't trigger you, enjoy. And may God have mercy on your soul. You are now entering the break.
1: Your hosts are the intrepid and all-knowing Jason T. Gaffney and the insipid and unknowing Kevin Held. Join these two buddies as they explore history and find the bright side in
0: shitty things. Hello. Hello. You're on the bright side with Kevin and Jason, your weekly comedy about tragedy. I'm your co-host, Kevin Held. And I am your other co-host, Jason T. Gaffney. How you doing, Jason? I'm in a good mood. How are you? You seem like you're in a good mood. Yeah. You didn't fuck with my introduction at all. I know. That puts me in a good mood. I like this. Look at this wonderful biofeedback loop we have going of positivity. (laughs) Try (laughs) to remember this for future episodes. Normally my feedback loops are just feedback loops from hell (laughs) that just spiral out of control. Right. And they always leave me starting the episode with like... This, you know, desperate desire to kill myself. So <laughs> this is this is wonderful. I want to live. What episode are we on?
1: How many episodes <laughs> did the here?
0: <laughs> We're doing great. Yeah, we sure are. <laughs> oh, it's good to see you. It's good to be back in Sherman Oaks. It's sunny today, though. It's so bright and sunny. It is a. Are you okay? I'm not okay. I'm okay. not okay. It's a sunblock day. Self care. Well, it was a gloomy morning. That turned into a blazing hot afternoon. Yes. So I'm in heavy jeans because of the gloomy morning, and then I walked out into the blazing afternoon, and I've got swamp ass. Oh. Because of my jeans. I'm sorry. Well, I'm sorry too, but I'm more sorry (laughs) than you are about it. I wager a guess. Yeah, swamp ass, not cute. Not my favorite. Ooh, I have an update about Tanya Harding. Wow, what's there to update? Oh, it's, how'd she do on the worst cooks? Is she a slightly better cook in America now? Yeah, well, do you want me to spoil it? Ooh, there's a good question. Spoilers? I mean, because I could not care less. <laughs> For those of you out there, if you haven't
1: watched it by now... Yeah, skip it, ahead 30 seconds. It was like... Yeah. Anyway,
0: she Go. won. Oh wow! And I was like, "Come on, <laughs> why? I don't know." I was. What? Like... Oh, you feel and like she's she... not the worst cook in America, so well, she shouldn't have won. Well, no,
1: it wasn't even that. It was that <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> it was, what, she she won, and then she made a joke about what the Nancy a dubious... Kerrigan thing. <gasps> What'd she's she like, say? "This time, I really can say I did it." And I was like, Whoa. And I was like, "Girl." Wow! You're trying to get a new image, and you just brought that. You're like too soon. Soren back in? Yeah,
0: no. <laughs> she beat Alec Mappa, like physically beat him. No, no. <laughs> I mean, hell, I don't know. It's <laughs> Tony Harding. <hearty. laughs> no,
1: no. She she did not beat him physically. She
0: beat him <laughs> in the challenge, and I was sad I yeah, because I Yeah, because I was pretty scared. You know, when we were talking about that episode, that she would be around so many rolling pins and knives. Yeah, well, knives. I she she'd really step it up. <laughs> So well, I've now I've spent way too much time thinking about this for my own happiness, but now that we're on the subject, um, when you win the worst cook in America, does that mean you're best improved or does that mean you're the absolute worst cook? No, no, no. You're best like, improved. Okay. There's a show called The Worst You Driver. start off as the worst. You graduate to slightly terrible. No, well, actually, and you, then you graduate you win.
1: to like, really good, actually. <laughs> it's wild. But there is a show called The Worst Drivers in Canada, and if you win really? that, you are the worst
0: oh the people if
1: you get better you get to leave the show so the idea is to not be the final person
0: well that's a terrible incentive oh it's
1: so but it's so great it's a bunch of Canadians trying to do good and driving terribly <laughs> driving into shit and you're just like this is amazing where do
0: you even find this crap to watch first it's, of all where do you find the time and <laughs> second of all where do you find those actual shows well first it's self care okay I need to watch other people yeah suffer. but all of your pleasures are guilty pleasures <laughs> yeah. is my point <laughs>
1: I do a lot of hard work. Kidding. <laughs> I need something mindless. But, but really, find LA's worst the drivers in Canada. It's mm-hmm. such a good show. They drive through styrofoam. I like want to go on it, even though I'm a good driver.
0: I'm your taste in these things is not my taste in these things. I am the I weirdest watch, human. I want to watch The Handmaid's Tale.
1: That I can't. It is not a mindless,
0: we're, fluffy entertainment. We're
1: living it. I don't need to watch it. It's I'd true. rather watch people drive into styrofoam. <laughs> So that's all bad
0: shall we talk about something good yeah give me something good All right well let's talk about the bright spot Yay. Right? now this just happened this week and I just I, it's just heartwarming and that's all I got I love it this all happens in Wimberley Texas okay right. I have no clue where that is I don't I think it's near Houston Astros. Seventy-two. <laughs> sure <laughs> <laughs> so in Wimberley Texas 72 year old Linda Knoll has had kidney failure for 18 months. Since she was diagnosed with lupus, it has okay. led to some kidney failure, right? She's 72 years old, and she was not a high priority on the list of kidney donors, but she needs a kidney donation. She has O-type blood, which yeah. is hard to match. She did Facebook pages. She did T-shirts. She was getting the word out with friends and family, trying to get, you know, someone to donate a kidney. Yeah. She even had a sign up in her front yard that read, I am type O, and I need a kidney transplant. Please help me. Like, she's pretty desperate for this thing, right? Yeah. One day, recently, 84-year-old Frank Dewhurst came up her front walk and knocked on the door. And Frank Dewhurst is a neighbor of hers who had seen her sign, and he's kind of a notorious member of the HOA. Okay. Right? So he's one of those people you don't really want to be walking up and knocking on your door. He does. And Linda Nall thought that he was going to ask her to take the sign out of her yard. Yeah. What it was was he was coming to offer a kidney. Oh. So this week, 84-year-old Frank Dewhurst has become the oldest living kidney donor in history. Oh. You know, older kidneys are generally for older people. Like, right. Like fi- only 5% of kidney donations have been from older people like that. Right. But if they could get more, then you could get people off the list. Right. You know? So the Kidney Association hopes that this will lead to more people Donating, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I just think he's a fucking hero, and he's he's eighty four years old, and he does not need to put himself through this kind of like all the surgery and then living the rest of your life with one kidney, you know. Yeah. But he was deemed healthy. He was, and and he left the the hospital like forty eight hours later. Of course he did. You know, and then visited her. Yeah. (laughs) How my kidney? Exactly. You know. So I just think that so that was a beautiful thing that happened this week. You know. I love that. Yeah, kidney donation is. Amazing. Yeah. And we should all do it, and I'm not going to. It, well, the,
1: <laughs> the downside for her is that now when he ever asks for something HOA-related, she's
0: oh, like she really obligated. To. Yeah, totally. So, Well, actually, maybe this whole thing was just his way to get her to take the sign out. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he's that guy. <laughs> Fine, if I have to give you a damn kidney. You don't need the kidney yeah. anymore, do you? Take the sign out. <laughs> anyway, Frank Dewhurst is a hero. And uh, good things happen in Texas occasionally.
1: I love that. Yeah. Way to go, Texas!
0: Yes, indeed. Yeah. That's our bright spot this week. So, now that we're all warm and gooey, warm and fuzzy from that, how are you going to ruin my good mood this week, Jason well, this T. Gaffney?
1: One is a wild journey. Let's go on it's, a wild journey together. It's not, it's messy. Okay. I
0: hope you brought
1: like <laughs> I brought a what poncho. I'm wearing. Oh.
0: I got I brought what I'm wearing and this iced coffee that I have here. Okay, That's good. What I got. So, you ready? <laughs> yeah. The club. The, okay.
1: The 80s and the 90s. Ooh, okay. Party, you
0: monster. <gasps> are we talking about the Michael Eilig thing? We absolutely are. Yeah. That's right. That's funny. I was just talking about Party Monster. I know one of the guys who was a club kid back in the 80s. Who do you know? His name is Kenny, my friend. Okay. But it wasn't one of these, like... Yeah, it wasn't one of but the... But he knew all these guys. Yeah, yeah of course he did. So I know a little bit about this. Okay, cool. But not very much, really. So yeah, tell me about it. So, it's a fucking tragedy and ridiculous but very colorful. Yes.
1: <laughs> All right. <laughs> we're going to talk basically about the club kids, specifically Michael Eilig, yep. Robert Fries Riggs, Ooh. and their infamous murder of their roommate Andre or right. more commonly known as Angel, Angel right. Melendez. Right, right, right. For the young children out there,
0: who were the club kids? I don't know. You don't. I'm know. a young I'm sorry, hold on. I don't know. Oh, I was a young kid there, <laughs> me being a young kid. They basically were the
1: queen bees of New York City's club scene in the 80s and the 90s. Yep. If they were at a party, then everyone wanted to be at that party. Sure. It's like, oh, the club kids are going. Ooh, we better go. Ooh, I want to be a club kid. Yeah. Ooh.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was in college and... The '90s, so yeah. it was after all this, really for the most part. But the scene was still happening. The scene was still happening. When yeah, I was there. but it was dying a bit at yeah. that
1: point. Well, this particular scene now was I don't changing. even know what the kids do in New York. <sighs> messy. <I
0: don't> <laughs> it's always been messy. Yeah, I would have friends though. Like uh-huh. I, you know, when I was in college, I'd have friends who grew up in New York, and they were like, "Yeah, well, I was just taking the subway when I was twelve, and you know, yeah, like on my own." I'm like Jesus. Well, if you go if you go up in New
1: York, it's like. Yeah, that's what you do. I guess. But everyone else in the country is like, oh, my God. I don't think I was unaccompanied until I was, like, 18 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, basically, the club kids would wear out-of-this-world fashion Mm -hmm. and were often over the top with their performances and their personas. Quote from Wiki, quote, The club kids' aesthetic emphasized outrageousness, Mm -hmm. fabulousness, and sex. Gender was fluid, and everything was DIY.
0: Yeah, my friend Kenny is incredibly... Artistic, talented and yeah. artistic creative like that. He's in costuming now.
1: Oh, for really? a studio, but I mean he yeah, kept yeah. that
0: together like he kept following that. I mean that was his passion.
1: Well, there's a lot of club kids who went on to do amazing exactly. stuff because yeah. of the creativity and everything. Yeah. We and will and it seems like to... it was an
0: environment that yeah, no. It seems <laughs> like an environment that really fostered that. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. in its in its best form, I would imagine it, yeah. it fostered that kind of like openness and and, and excitement. creativity. And, yeah. But in its worst It fostered what we're going to probably be talking about today.
1: Right. And one of the former club kids, Walt Paper Cassidy, Mm -hmm. is quoted saying, quote, The nightclub for me was like a laboratory, Hmm. a place where you were encouraged and rewarded for experimentation.
0: Did he say it like an English person, too?
1: I don't know. As I said it, I was like,
0: I guess we're doing this. (laughs) You've been watching Rick and Morty. I can tell. I love Rick and Morty. (laughs) So, yes. Uh, Tell me more about the laboratory. Well, okay. So, the Mm -hmm. leaders of the group of the Club Kids Mm
1: -hmm. were Michael Eilig, Mm -hmm. known as King of the Club Kids, Mm -hmm. and James St. James. James St. James still does stuff out there for Mm -hmm. all the children out there. He does these videos with the drag queens from RuPaul's Drag Race, where they make him over in their image, and they talk about... Being in drag and all that stuff, so it's kind of cool. Okay, together, Michael and James would lead the over 750 different club kids through
0: one of the wildest times in history. 750. Yeah. Wow. They were like, it feels like village. Yeah, if and but it feels like also like a self-selecting group though too. It's like you recognize. My God, that's what. Those people are doing, and that's what I really want to do. And then all of a sudden you start doing it too, and then the group says, hey, there's another person who does it like we do. Right.
1: I actually do think there is a hand-in-hand with the drag community, because the drag community is a very niche group as well. And when people start doing drag, other queens help them out and get them up on their feet. And so it can grow really big really quickly because of that. You know
0: about drag. That being said- I don't know nothing about no drag. You don't know nothing. No. I didn't get style. I didn't get drag. These That's are the okay. things I didn't get. I just got the affinity for penis. Hey, for the most part, and booty, and booty. Yeah,
1: sure. Dick and
0: ass. La, da, 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 what a fantastic pair. The new
1: version of uh, <laughs> course line. So um, Michael and James were actually both friends and rivals. <gasps> so they were like frenemies. Mm-hmm. Michael Elyg was born and grew up in South Bend, Indiana. A lot of people came from South Bend, by the way, I just want yeah, to point out. Yeah, they left there, though, too. No, I know. Yeah. But, like, I feel like in history, I keep finding, like, people who came from South Bend, and I'm like, what is in the water?
0: Well... Famous water. No, I think that the thing you have to recognize is they all left.
1: Right. Because well, none of them are
0: famous in South Bend. <laughs> that's true.
1: <laughs> so, when Michael graduated high school in 1984... He booked it to New York City to go to Fordham University and to escape the place that was awful to him for being a gay man.
0: There you go. He's like, "I nailed it. this, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the, the crux of South Bend is that you don't want to be there
1: anymore. Yeah. So he had a scholarship at Fordham University to study architecture. Hmm. Because he was a straight A student in high school, which is weird because he's not straight. Yeah, I know. Oh. <laughs> As I wrote it, I hated that low-hanging joke I got. You know, but I, was...
0: so <laughs> but I decided got... to throw it in anyway. Yeah, well, you know. Because I like to hate myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's really good at, at studies. Yeah. He studies everything. Sure.
1: In the laboratory of the mind. Yeah. Okay, so after a <laughs> short period of time at Fordham, mm-hmm. he decided to ditch it, and he went to FIT. There we go. The Fashion Institute and in Technology.
0: Sure. Whatever. That's what it is, Fashion Institute of Technology. Oh, great. Yeah. So I remembered
1: from Project Runway. You got it. Yeah. yeah. I'm doing great. You are. <laughs> so anyway, while he was at FIT, mm-hmm. he met Keith Herring's boyfriend, Ludovic.
0: Oh, love the name. That phrase, Keith Herring's boyfriend, yeah. just makes me imagine an entire other life that could have been. You know? Did <laughs> you want to be Keith Herring's boyfriend? Who wouldn't want to be Keith Herring's boyfriend? Okay. Oh my god. I didn't know him, so I don't know if we'd become. I didn't know him either, but if I'd known him, I would have liked to have been his boyfriend. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: <laughs> So, Ludovic would expose Michael to the nightlife of New York City. Sure. I don't think he exposed himself to him though, so I think he just would like to assume he did. Probably.
0: (laughs) The gay handshake.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Is that a thing?
0: Having sex with each other first and then becoming friends? Yeah. That's a thing. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) What do gay men do on a second date? I mean, I go on a date and have dinner. Introduce themselves.
1: (laughs) Oh. That's
0: terrible. No. I wait till the third date. <laughs> I mean, will you wear a mask or something? No, 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 I <laughs> have sex. Oh, I thought you meant to introduce yourself. No.
1: <laughs> You're not allowed to talk to me in my first two days. You have to just stare at me.
0: <laughs> if we can get past the awkward I love it. Date, Anyone who can get past that, then I we're... will have sex with. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, except for the one-nighters. They were just in and
0: out. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Jason is lost in memory now. <laughs> hey, come on back. <laughs> so many memories. <laughs> you must have had a lot of one night stands. Is all. That's great. Well, We're most just of my one night
1: stands that I meant to have a one night stand turned into relationships. It, I'm very... <laughs> right, you're a lesbian. That's right. I <laughs> forgot. Give <laughs> me my Birkenstocks. <laughs> So, almost immediately after meeting Keith Herring's boyfriend, Michael dropped out of school completely. He's sure. like, fuck this. Well,
0: he found what's really important in life. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: He became a busboy at the nightclub called Danceteria. Oh, sure. Uh,
0: or Danceteria. No, sure Danceteria, right. like Cafeteria. Oh, yeah. That, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you go? No. Were you alive back in the day? Was I alive yeah. in the 80s and 90s? Yes, I was alive. In the 80s and 90s. As we have established in previous episodes, (laughs) I was 72 years old when this was all going down. So, basically, Michael decided that his career path... You've done it again. (laughs) You've chosen a goddamn episode (laughs) that happened in the 80s and 90s, forcing me to talk about how old I was and remembering all of these times. I was zero. Mm-hmm. I was zero years old. <laughs> so, anyway, Michael decided that his career as a party If promoter- you're wondering why we're frenemies, this is it. <laughs> little, you I had hate no you. idea, but this is it. <laughs> it's moments like this.
1: I'm still doing great.
0: <laughs> Whatever, I'm the one with the gray hair. You don't have any gray hair. <laughs> I have gray hair. You do? Yeah, I pluck them. I'm going to go bald on the sides of my hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know you had gray hair.
1: <laughs> yeah, I do. Wow. Yeah.
0: I don't have a lot, so I'm still plucking them. Well, you can see all of mine I'll stop from saying, where you are. I can see a couple of yours.
1: Sylvia said that I look like I'm starting to look like Obama, mm-hmm. like the, the way that his hair went gray on the sides first. I was like, best compliment ever. Sure, yeah, no, I, I wish I could, wish I could look like I'd love like to pull an yeah. Obama.
0: My friend, I hadn't seen my friend in a while, and she goes, oh, you got some salt in with that pepper. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, how yeah. about a hello? <laughs> <laughs> hello, you salty bitch. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm the salty bitch. Yeah. Salt and peppery bitch. Aw, anyway, cute. Anyway, what are we talking about?
1: Okay, so basically Michael at Danceteria mm-hmm. was like, this is my career. I'm going to be a party promoter. Sure. I'm going to be a nightlife god, and so his path was born.
0: I like the nightlife. Yeah. I like to boogie on the disco fly. Yeah. <laughs> Who's that? That's the song. Is it really? I love the nightlife. I like to boogie. You don't know the song? No. On the disco fly. You know the song and you're just making know, me do this. No, I know the,
1: the. I've never heard the lyrics. I've only heard that little last part you just did.
0: Oh. Ah. I don't think I've heard the lyrics either. That's the, oh. only, point, <laughs> the
1: only part I know. <laughs> So now that he has his path, he's Mm -hmm. like, I got to learn everything about the nightlife scene. Sure. So he
0: had to, like, suck everyone's dick. (laughs) Um, No, he didn't do that. I don't know. Is that how you learn? It's like kind of like osmosis? Yeah. I wish it worked like that if you could, like, gain knowledge by sucking dick. Yeah. We'd both be smart. I'd be a wizard. (laughs) (laughs) A weenus wizard.
1: (laughs) So as he's learning about the nightlife scene, he's like, I'm going to create the club kids. Boom. So he did it.
0: Nice.
1: Some of the more famous club kids are Amanda Lepore, mm-hmm. Richie Rich, RuPaul, Ernie Glam, Superstar DJ Kyoki, mm-hmm. and Jenny Talia. So RuPaul was a club kid?
0: Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. I have to so tell So there, boom, I learned something today. Yeah.
1: When I also, when I found out that Jenny Talia was one of the names of the club kids, mm-hmm. I was both like excited and disappointed because that's my drag name, Jenny Talia Bush. Uh, and sure. I was like, oh, someone already did it. But, sorry. You know,
0: just like South Park's already done everything. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Or Simpsons. Mine's um, Fannie Mae Stretch. Yeah. I'm it's... sorry yours is taken.
1: So, as you can see, a fair amount of club kids went on to do big things in their lives. Sure.
0: So, but while they were still club
1: kids, they were known for doing a lot of drugs. Sure. Drugs such as ketamine, ecstasy, heroin,
0: cocaine, and rohypnol. Rohypnol. I didn't even know how to say rohypnol until... Until you were uh, researching this episode? Yeah. Well... I don't know what it is, but I've heard of it. It sounds like a doozy. I've I don't heard know anything of, I've about heard it. Of all of them. You've heard though. of all of them? Yeah. I don't mean to toot my own horn, but I've heard of all of those. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it is. Um, I'm gonna say it's a downer. It sounds like a downer. is
1: it a downer? A lot of these seem like they're is... I don't know. I don't know. What Not heroin.
0: Are. Oh, is heroin a downer? Yeah. I thought I got you like rah. No. Oh, the heroin nod. You ever heard of the heroin nod? Person takes heroin and they start to nod off and nod out. Oh, yeah. Well. Yeah, there you go. Anyway. Now you learned something. (laughs) Boom. (laughs) (laughs) After Andy Warhol's death in
1: 1987, there was a real void for the top partier in New York City. Oh, wow. And Michael was more than happy to jump into that void. He was gunning for it. He campaigned hard. He's like, this is my hole now. Wow. Everyone needs a niche, you know? Yep. So one of his most successful early parties that he created was the Filthy
0: Mouth Contest. Oh, God. (laughs) I mean... I feel so sad for you that you were never able to enter this contest. <laughs> I Actually, you I would probably win. could
1: have won. So basically, people would say the worst things they could think of to shock the people watching, and whoever could upset and shock the crowd in the most upsetting way would score a cool $100. Ooh, Which wow. back then was a lot of money. Uh, yeah. It, it still was, is a lot of money. Well, it's, you know. It's less now. But. It covers your cover charge. Yeah. So, quote from the New York Post slash Michael Eilig. Mm-hmm. Quote, People talked about being raped or raping someone. It developed into public masturbation with beer bottles. Everyone was riveted. They couldn't (coughs) leave the room. I don't know what the take was that night, but I got paid $500. Uh (laughs) Thank God I quit college, I thought. I'm going to be a millionaire.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The American dream.
1: Yeah. I got people to talk about rape, and I got paid. And (sighs) I mean, like, we should be talking about it as to avoid having rape happen.
0: For sure. So it was a success obviously. The rape or the... No, not the rape. Okay, the party. unsuccessful. The, the terrible filthy mouth contest. No one likes an unsuccessful rape. No, no one likes any rape. I'm just trying to win.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're not doing the contest. Where's my hundred
0: fucking dollars?
1: <laughs> so because it was such a success, mm-hmm. Michael would be hired the very next year by Peter Gatien, who was one of the top club owners of that era to oh. host parties at Peter's club, the Limelight.
0: Oh, the limelight was going when I was in college. Yeah. Yes. So fun fact about the limelight, it was a club in an old church. Yes, it was in a church.
1: Yeah. This church, when I lived in New York City, was actually a mall, and it turned into a mall, but the building was still the same. Wow. A um, mall? Yeah, do you so mean a like, mall? They turned it into a mall. They put a bunch of stores in it. Inside the church? Yeah. Wow. So they, it was a church, then it became a club, then it became a mall. I actually went to a drag fashion event there oh. at the mall, and I was geeking out over the awesomeness of everything, and I was like, there's a church at the mall that used to be a club. Wow. Ah! <laughs> it was wild. ch ch changes <laughs> I like repurposing
0: old things. Yeah. It's fun. I especially like to use churches in <laughs> devil-ish
1: ways, personally. <laughs> yes. So the new party at the Limelot was over the top and fabulous and a hit. Okay. So before long, Peter was like, hey, Michael... How about you do parties at the rest of my clubs, too? Okay. And Michael was like, yes, please. And suddenly he was not only working at the Limelight, but he was also working at Club USA, yeah. the Palladium,
0: and Tunnel. So some people might not know, but Jason's impressions of these guys is, I mean, fucking spot on. <laughs> I feel like Peter probably has an accent. I don't know. I think he's... No, I'm, you got it. Oh, you got it? You totally okay, got Pete. it. So, hey okay. Michael, you need to do parties at my other places. Yeah. Okay, yes. <laughs> okay, See, you do it way better, sorry.
1: <laughs> so, the club team was really struggling after Andy Warhol's death, right? He was
0: propping it up entirely by himself. Well,
1: and also the AIDS crisis was now in full swing. And so people were really like, the community was pulling back. And so the club scene was dying Mm -hmm. and Michael really wanted to fight the loneliness that the LGBTQ community was facing. And he really wanted the parties to be big. Hmm. So he started hosting outlaw parties which were random parties that would take place at unexpected places such as fast food, restaurants like Burger King, Dunkin' Donuts, uh, homes that were abandoned,
0: uh, and even in the subway. Did Michael Eilig invent the rave? Sort of. I kind guess. of. He sort of did. Maybe. I guess. Um, Ooh. but yeah, but they
1: would basically like, they'd go to a fast food restaurant yeah. and just start throwing a party and the and workers would be like, what's happening? Uh, <laughs> do you want a slider or something? <laughs> yeah. They're like, get me more Coke. Oh, you want a, a <laughs> Coke with that? No, I want, I want some Coke. I'm handing you Coke. Sure. No
0: problem. Small, medium or large. <laughs> I want all the Coke. Oh, large then. <laughs> it comes with a free refill, sir.
1: <laughs> what is this shit? Get me Coke. It's Coke. <laughs> What a great
0: miscommunication. (laughs) I'm so excited about this. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, so... (laughs) What's our lineup for DJs? Well, who's on first?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, according to Michael Musto, a gay columnist who wrote for the Village Voice back during this time... Mm -hmm. These parties basically revitalized the whole club scene and brought the whole community together. Okay. Like, he, Michael Eilig, managed to, like, rebirth
0: the the club nightlife. Wow. In a white castle. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> I need some coke! <laughs>
1: what? All these parties don't get that I need coke! <laughs> So, <laughs> so Michael. This Musso, is in the eighties,
0: though, and they did—they had coke machines in the uh, in the subway. Yeah, not Coca-Cola. What? They had cocaine dispensers in Uh-oh. the subway. Did they really? No. Oh, <laughs> I was like, I don't well, know. I was a baby. <laughs> yeah. So Michael
1: Musto wasn't the only reporter that was starting to take note of the club kids scene. However, mm-hmm. they were now being featured in major publications like People, Time, and Newsweek. Mm-hmm. And they were also making live appearances on the Joan Rivers show, Donahue, and Geraldo. Wow. Yeah. So they were like hitting it big. Oh, absolutely. You know you've
0: made it when you're on the Joan Rivers show.
1: Well, part of the reason was that the rest of the country is looking at them like they're a freak show. Yeah. And that's why they're getting... And But at the same time, for all the little weird kids out there... Totally. They're like, finally, someone like me. Exactly. So, I mean, it's
0: like the, it's to- totally that thing. We're going to put you on... On screen, and everyone's gonna laugh at you. Except there's gonna be some people who are like, "Wait, uh, this is an option for your life? Yeah, so I can actually enjoy it's my. It's good life. and bad. Yeah. yeah, I can have a party at Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> that is a thirteen-year-old child's birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> grab the heroin, mom. There's drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: grab the heroin, mom. We're sure. going to Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Country dances as fast as it can on Duncan.
1: (laughs) So, before long, Michael Aleg would become known not just for throwing amazing parties, but that being said, he was also a total dickwad.
0: (laughs) And people started to know it. He throws a great party and he's a total dickwad. This is Michael Aleg.
1: (laughs) So, now that he was rich and powerful. Welcome to
0: Donahue.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This week on Donahue total dickwad total dickwad michael, michael A-ling. A-ling, yes so now that michael's rich and powerful he really let it go to his head he's like i can do whatever mm-hmm. fuck you south bend do we need to mention that I he's a white american whatever. i don't think we do yeah no he's a white american and yeah. he hates his former town and <laughs> there's a lot of good people from south bend absolutely yeah
0: so anyway but even... they're not there anymore is my whole point <laughs> <laughs> some of them are
1: trapped there <laughs> We have to save them.
0: All of the good people in South Bend are trapped there. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so Michael, for,
0: for sport... Oh God, I forgot
1: he did this. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote this a few weeks ago. <laughs> okay. So Michael, for sport, would take $100 bills, uh-huh. several of them or a lot of them, And he would then throw them out onto the club's dance floor to watch people freak out and fight over them. Oh boy. So he would start brawls by doing that. Yeah. Because he thought it was funny to watch people who had no money fight for money.
0: He sounds, I hate to say it, a little bit like you in this moment. I would never do that. No, of course, because you would, you're frugal too. I would never but instigate... But if it was candy? No. I would never <laughs> instigate a fight. I just go oh. watch people fall at ice skating rinks. That is a difference. Okay. Got it. Got it. Thank you for that distinction. They chose to skate. You are not a total dickwad. No. You are a partial dickwad. Exactly. <laughs> Please welcome partial dickwad, <laughs> Jason T. Gaffney. Yes. I take my $100 bills and I put them in my pocket. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Um, I'm a homeowner. I got expenses, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to put a new roof on my house. <laughs> Uh, throw uh, uh, hundreds into the dance floor. I'm the person who's running out like there throwing hundreds of at people. Yeah, yeah. I made it rain on myself because it rained <laughs> on me.
0: <laughs> well
1: played. Thank you. So, okay. He also really liked it when people fell. Now, this I really can't get behind. Uh-huh. However, I like it when it happens, not when he causes it to happen or sure. people cause it to happen. So, he would actually... Get- <laughs> he would go out onto the floor and pretend to fall into people so that he could accidentally
0: knock them over and oh, watch them fall. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's total dick Okay, Okay. So, but you would have loved this area because <laughs> the number of high heels that... <laughs> these people were on top of.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> so,
0: you are sick. Yeah, huh? This is this, this is the laughter of a partial dickwad.
1: Well, here's the thing. I like slapstick. All of that, though, was not the worst of what he did. Well, no. Are you ready for that? Well, I, no, no, not the very worst. But,
0: ta- but, well, because I know we're talking about murder, but okay, yeah. what's the second worst so, he did? <laughs> Quote from
1: Wiki. Quote, in other instances, he would urinate on club goers or urinate in their drinks. Uh, That is repulsive. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I just, um, all I can think of is like, if I'm in the club and someone starts peeing on me, I am going to punch them. Maybe he was just trying to help someone win the filthy mouth thing. Mm, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. No. No, I'm not. He's
1: horrible. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, I'm sure you're not surprised to learn that as Michael became the leader of the club scene, he also started using more and more drugs on a constant basis.
0: That actually is a shock. It's a shock total to Total shock. Really? Total shock to me, yeah.
1: I feel like you're not... Total shock.
0: Total shock. This okay. is my total shock face. It's very stoic. I'm in total shock. Okay. Uh, whoa. Ah! I'm in total shock. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me. <laughs> That actually was shocking. Okay, you got me. I was kidding before. <laughs> so, okay. Sometimes um, I
1: get gassy. <laughs> All right. Basically, he had a ton of people who were giving him drugs, right? Mm-hmm. But at the height of his club kid days, he frequently would get drugs from one personal dealer, mm-hmm. Angel Melendez. Okay. Angel was known for dealing drugs in Peter's clubs and more or less had permission to do so by Peter. Right. And Peter... Um, because the devil you know. Well, also, Peter was like, drugs at clubs mean people come, mm. and I'd rather have it contained to the people I know, and then we know they're not going to get,
0: people aren't going to die yeah. from laced shit. Sure. Whatever. That's what I'm saying. The devil you know. Right. And in this case, the devil was an angel. Right. Well, and
1: actually, Angel was actually called Angel because he was known for wearing wings with yeah. feathers as part of his outfits. Yeah. Like, he never went out without his wings.
0: Well, you know. Some and- people do American Express. Yeah. So,
1: the drug stuff got really bad, though. Mm -hmm. Michael ended up getting arrested a bunch of times for his drug usage, and eventually he would go to rehab for it. Oh. It didn't take, however, at first, and he kept using them until 1995, When Peter was like, you need to go back to rehab because your parties are getting out of control and you're getting out of
0: control. Yeah, they were so well contained before. Well, (laughs) there was, it was better
1: contained and then it got, it was now, it was, it was starting to.
0: Michael Eilig fully unleashed total dickwad. Not a pleasant. Yeah, it's like
1: now he's peeing on himself while he's peeing on other people. It's just a mess just a mess yeah he's not even trying to pretend to bump into people he's just literally shoving them over you fell
0: also i can't even install catwalks in my clubs anymore yeah because he just gets on them and starts peeing on everybody yeah
1: (laughs) apparently the feds got involved to shut down the limelight Mm -hmm. and they learned that peter was cool with angel selling drugs and such and the other drug dealers so peter was like michael you need to go to rehab and melendez you're fired oh wow along with the other drug dealers clipped his wings yeah he clipped his wings according to michael peter had hired like 30 drug dealers to come exclusively to his clubs and not the other clubs so that people would come there Uh and after michael went to rehab when he was finished Uh he was fired by peter as well really so peter was like i'm cleaning house we're getting fresh we're doing this over because he didn't want to go to federal prison he's going clean
0: yeah he's going straight
1: yeah After Angel was fired, he was like, I need somewhere to live. And Michael was like, come live with me and my other roommate, Robert D. Freeze Riggs. So this is where it gets kind of confusing, right? And a little bit conflicty here. Okay. Michael claims that the infamous night Angel died was the night that the FDA was going to bust the clubs and the drug dealers. And that he had told all the drug pushers to stay home and that none of them were fired yet. Mm Mm-hmm. And that angel went anyway. It's uncertain as to who was fired when. I, see. I just know that eventually Peter did fire everyone and was okay. like, we're starting fresh. Because part of Michael's payment was a, an apartment. Oh. And so he lost his apartment and all that. Really? When he got fired, yeah. Because oh, wow. that was part of his pay, so oh. it's like, if you're not working for me, you don't get an apartment. Damn. Kind of thing. So he, like, lost everything. Whoops. But anyway, on the night...
0: Welcome back from rehab. Yeah. <laughs> I've got some incentive for you cleaning up your fucking life. Yeah. Lost your, your job and your house. Yeah. Wow. So,
1: anyway... <laughs> At least you don't have to use about it. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. So, I think what happened was Peter tried to cover up the drugs... And have everyone stay away so that when the feds showed up, there were no drugs.
0: Yeah.
1: And then they were going to resume business as usual once the feds backed off. Mm -hmm. But Angel actually showed up. The bouncers turned him away and they're like, you can't fucking come here tonight. You know this. Mm -hmm. And like Michael Ailig was like, get the fuck out of here. You know that you can't be here tonight. Mm -hmm. He basically got really pissy about it. Angel did. And he decided to go to Michael's apartment to collect the money lost that night from not being able to work that night. Oh, damn. He's like, you owe me money because you told me I couldn't work, and this is where I get my money. Okay. And Michael's like, you just weren't able to – you had a vacation day. Like, you can't – no. Right. Um, There was an argument about money, and on March 17th, 1996, Michael and Freeze would kill Angel.
0: Oh, then that's undisputed, right? That's
1: undisputed. Okay. We know that on March seventeenth, nineteen ninety six, Michael and and Freeze would kill Angel. Wow.
0: The argument started with not uh, Mister Freeze, this not Mister Freeze, Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, did not have a hand in this. No, he did not. Good, good, good. The the Governor is
1: innocent in this crime. In this case, yeah, yeah.
0: He's kind of a total dickwad too, well, <laughs> but in has a different way. Kids all over the
1: place, right? Yeah, that's part of how
0: he's a total dickwad. Yeah.
1: So okay. The argument started with Angel asking for the money from Michael, and mm-hmm. Michael was like, uh, hey, man, I introduced you to all the club kids mm-hmm. and was like, no, like I've given you a lot of business. You need yeah. to back off.
0: Uh, everyone who's listening, uh, Jason's impression of Michael has changed, but that's because he really sounded different after rehab than he had before. Yeah. <laughs> he, so, still spot on, just so you know. He made a turn in his life. Still, still 100% accurate. Uh, Now, that being
1: said, it's important to note that Michael was, quote, coming off a four-day binge
0: on cocaine, special K, heroin, and crystal meth. He sounded so different after rehab when he had started using drugs again after (laughs) rehab.
1: (laughs) So... After Michael was like I no, I'm not going to give you money. <laughs> yeah. Then I don't have any more. Yeah. <laughs> I spent it all. <laughs> then Freeze would tell Angel that they only hung out with Angel because of his drugs and that his wings and his hat were stupid. <gasps> he like mocked it out the outfit. deepest cut. I know. Oh man. So Angel then got mad at Michael for not defending him and his look. Uh- so now it's turning into, like, a petty
0: fight, is, is this, amazing. like... Okay, someone's going to die. Could you be a little less excited about how they're just reading each other for Phil? I have been
1: <laughs> sitting on this for a week, and I'm
0: living for this. <clears throat>
1: oh, my God. That being said, do not murder people. It's bad. Don't
0: Thank you. That's me. a little disclaimer we have to say for legal reasons.
1: <laughs> okay, so... Before long, apparently Angel started getting physical with Michael, and not in like a pleasant way, like a mean way. Not in that kind of Olivia Newton John yeah, way. That's got physical punch, physical right, and you stab kick. him. Yeah, ow. <laughs> um, so he started shaking him and slamming Michael into the wall. Oof. Michael would then fall into a glass cabinet and get cut up real bad. Uh-huh. Um, Angel would follow up that by biting him. He's wow. like, "You've been cut." <laughs> That's biting
0: noises. Sure. I imagine everyone's fueled by some drugs right now. Yes. Yeah.
1: So Michael freaked out and called for help. So Freeze jumped into action by grabbing a hammer and smashing (gasps) it down onto Angel's head. Oh. Multiple times. Jesus. Not just once. Right. So Angel would go unconscious and fell to the ground. Yeah. Rather than acting rationally, and because Michael and Freeze were high as fuck they decided to keep fighting the unconscious Angel. What? Michael would protect his fist with a sweatshirt and then punch the unconscious man repeatedly. Okay. After that, they got the brilliant idea to dump a bottle of drain-cleaning fluid in Angel's mouth, Hmm. and then they kept it in his mouth by taping Angel's mouth shut with duct tape. Whoa. Now, at this point, Angel was dead. Okay. They didn't realize Angel was dead, though. Mm -hmm. So first they put the unmoving body onto the couch in the hopes that he would wake up. Uh-huh. And I'm like, why would they hope he woke uh, up in that state? I don't know. They were Has really still high. got the thing taped to him. Yeah, I think so. Shit. So then they figured out that he was dead and yeah. then they were like, ah, uh-huh. okay. Okay. So then the two drugged up murderers decided that the best plan was to put the body into the bathtub and cover him up with ice. Oh. Uh okay. The idea was that the ice would slow down the natural decomposing that would happen and it would smell less bad. Yeah, But as dead bodies do, it started to smell mighty bad. So, then so not mean, enough ice. No, not nearly. I mean, mm-hmm. you need to be in a freezer mm. to like really... Mm. I don't even know why I know that. I just know that. I'm trying to think of... Oh, it's a practice. I think on an episode of The Practice, this guy like hit a woman in the freezer and then like after he killed her and then he put her
0: out in the street like a few days later. I feel like it's like just... I maybe it's a problem with my upbringing, but like I feel like that's just common knowledge. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to hide a dead body, you should freeze it. Oh, is it common at us? If it's well, common for you and me, it is. Yeah. But then maybe we're really fucked up. That's I, my whole point. I watch lots of TV. Well, then you're probably really fucked up. Oh yeah, probably. Yeah.
1: Okay, so. The body started to smell bad, right? Sure. So they moved on to the next great idea, which was to cover in drain cleaner, Aww. then expensive cologne. Oh, God.
0: And then, oh, It bo- <laughs> smells like, at this point, Axe body spray. And then finally baking soda. cha gotcha. <laughs> Their hopes were that it would make the
1: smell go far away, yeah. but it would not. No. So. It would make the smell far worse. Yeah. So, nine days after the murder, the Mm. men opted on cutting the body up and throwing it into the Hudson River. Oh, God. Michael wasn't sure... This is
0: tough. This one's a tough one.
1: Yeah. So, Michael's not sure about it at first. He's like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But Freeze decided to offer Michael ten bags of heroin, and Michael was like, let's do it! Great. So... Great. Freeze (laughs) went to Macy's, as one does, and bought a few knives. And then got some duffel bags, and then they got to work.
0: You can go to like a thrift store. You gotta go to Macy's to buy. Fucking hell! You don't go to like a wholesaler in the in the in the like the meatpacking district or some crap. You go I, to Macy's I to just, buy your murder knife. I just love the fact that, is that it's club like, kid all over. Like that's like the worst ad campaign for Macy's.
1: <laughs> when you murder someone, come to Macy's. Wow, we got your knives. That's so insane. So. They, he got home with the knives and stuff. They all, they both got high on heroin. Ugh. And then they cut off Angel's legs and put it in trash bags. Wow. Then they put the trash bag into duffel bags mm-hmm. to really make sure people would not suspect that they were legs. Yeah. Apparently, Michael told Freeze during this that he hoped that he would OD on the heroin so he wouldn't have to deal with killing Angel anymore. Yeah. So I, like... Michael is starting to feel the pressure of everything and he's not happy with anything. Not having a great day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, they still had the upper half of the body to figure out what to do with though. (sighs) So.
0: By the way, it is amazing to me how it's just traumatizing. You've been, you know, you're reading, okay? I'm hearing. <laughs> I'm hearing this. Yes. So these images have to happen in my head. They happened for you when you wrote this. I know. Oof. I, yeah,
1: thankfully there were no pictures. Yeah. So Freeze decided to go into the building's basement and found an old TV box mm-hmm. and brought it upstairs. This was before they had flat screens, so they there was like a big square. A giant TV. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: I remember this. So, you they, sure he didn't go to fucking Nordstrom's and buy a new television just for the box?
1: <laughs> oh, he should have. <laughs> so, they decided to put Angel in the box and then they headed to the Hudson and chucked the body parts into the river. Boy. They did it in different sections too so that wouldn't be all together. So smart. Yeah. So, now, after this happened, Michael started to freak out a bit about the fact that he had killed one of his friends. Bad timing. And cut him up and dumped him in a river. The time
0: to do that is before you cut up your friend.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, he says that he told, quote, anyone who would listen. So. (gasps) What? Basically, he told everyone about the murder. Oh, my God. He was hanging out with friends of his and basically said that he and his roommate killed Angel. So,
0: is he looking to get arrested? Basically. Okay. So, he's like. Guilt-ridden. Yeah. Mm. Okay.
1: And so he he had friends over for a dinner party, and he's like, we killed Angel, and we cut him up, and, mm-hmm. and no one would believe him. Okay. They all assumed it was part of his bad boy persona, where he peed in people's drinks and knocked people over. Yeah, no, actual bad boy. Yeah. yeah. They thought it was for him to get attention that he was full of it. They're mm-hmm. like, shut the fuck up, Michael. We get it. You want attention, and which is, like, wild that he's, like, this terrible person that now nobody believes. He's that the he... boy who cried wolf. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, Jeez. but... The word was starting to spread among the club scene, and people were getting weirded out about it, but no one's really saying anything. So, like, people are starting to, to, to speculate, like, maybe he is telling the truth. And this also, we weird. haven't seen Angel in a while. Yeah. In fact, they, they asked him about it. They're like, where's Angel? And he's like, I killed him. And they're like, yeah, right. Funny, funny, Michael. Yeah. Funny.
0: Where's my Coke? <laughs> <laughs> I need Angel for the Coke. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so, okay, Michael Musto is quoted saying, quote, by the time aleg sent out a party invite joking about the murder, a what? lot of people wanted to kill him. What? Especially since the source was floating a more premeditated version of the killing. So basically, he sends out this invitation for a party. And he's like, I killed someone. Come to my party. No.
0: Yeah. He's like... <laughs> That's incredibly fucked up. Yeah,
1: no, it's it's wild. Yeah, the police were now starting to look into this because there's rumors spreading and that people are
0: like, someone's dead, yeah, and someone's gone, and someone else is telling everybody on the west side that, that he killed... killed him. Yeah, but they didn't have any evidence other than his word. Sure.
1: And because Michael was known for being high all the time, they thought he was just crazy and imagining it. So they're like, mm. no, you're just a stoner. You're lying. You just want attention. Damn. We're not going to arrest you. And he's like, I don't know what else I have to do. I really like, I've literally, can't be
0: clearer yeah, about that.
1: I this. murdered him. Wow. <laughs> so eventually it would catch up with him. Yeah. One month after they dumped the box in the river, the box with the head and the upper body, Yeah. it would It would wash up. Don't on, you laugh? What are you laughing at? It's so terrible. Okay. It's so terrible. All I right. have to laugh. <laughs> It washed up on Staten Island and a bunch of kids playing on the beach found it.
0: Why are you laughing you horrible person? <laughs> Can
1: you imagine like That's horrible. I found half a man in a TV box on the beach. That's
0: <laughs> awful. Oh my god. We have gone very far down if I have to be the voice of reason here. No, I
1: know. <laughs> so it was so... But the problem was that the police still couldn't arrest Michael because they couldn't confirm it was yeah. actually Angel because it was, the body was so messed up and decomposed. Yeah. They had to wait another eight months later on November 2nd that a coroner would finally be able to confirm it was Angel via his teeth. Wow. It took that long to get the, everything together. Yeah. During this whole mess of a time, Michael Musto would write a piece about the killing of Angel describing the whole ordeal action for action without using names uh-huh. in the village voice. Really? And it would get picked up in page six and yeah. explode. This yeah. was when it really the police really started having to be like, we need to take this in, as a real thing kind of thing. Yeah. So, because of the the new news story that was exploding and the body they now had, the police could make their move and they would arrest Michael Aleg. Yes. Now, at this time, Michael had been fired from the club and he'd been back to rehab, but he was still using again. So, um, what? Did, the, the important
0: thing is, what did he sound like right now? He was like, oh, God. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. God. I don't know. There's actually videos of him. I should have watched a video to see
1: how he found. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> he was like, Hello, I have committed a murder, and I would like to turn myself in. Wow. Yeah. He got very, very real. Totally. Towards the end. It, so, uh, it
0: happened in my laboratory. <laughs> yes.
1: Come to my laboratory, which is a tub filled oh. with bleach. No. All right, so he's no longer in his apartment that he had killed Angel in because he had been fired by the limelight. and yeah, That, that, that was place had bad ride. vibes. So the cops ended up finding him in a hotel in New Jersey. He was staying there with his boyfriend. Oh, wow. Um And uh, the DA was... Things have gone real far
0: downhill if you're uh, living in a hotel in New Jersey.
1: Yeah. Just tell you. So the DA was apparently really nice to Michael and told him, quote, We know that nobody wanted Angel to die, but it's not going to go away. Mm -hmm. And, quote, somebody has to pay. Which should
0: be the murderer, obviously. i say... So, like, so, okay, so people weren't so sad to see angel go, apparently, no, they didn't like Angel, yeah. but they were like You're still a person in yeah. your jurisdiction has been murdered, well, and what, brutally
1: i I didn't go deep into this, and if you guys do if you get are interested in this story, there's tons more stuff to read on this, and there's a movie about it and all that stuff but but angel's brother actually like came to New York to try to find his brother, and right. it was it was months of him hounding people. That to do anything to about do anything it that that because your did drug dealer brother is right. murdered. Nobody really cares. Right. And so, but when the story exploded, yeah. then, so.
0: Well, it's like, you know, you get public pressure. will finally make people do something that they wouldn't like YouTube, make any move.
1: What? YouTube with the anti-gay comments and all the gay creators are getting harassed repeatedly and they oh. refuse to kick people off for the anti-gay stuff. Yeah. So finally there's getting a lot of pressure being like, happy Pride Month. Oh. You told all these gay people that they should just suck it up and be called a fag. Yeah. So YouTube's now feeling some pressure.
0: Oh, good. Exactly. Exactly like that. Yes.
1: So, okay. Because Michael was so addicted to heroin at this point, they actually let him bring it with him to Rikers and he would eventually get clean in jail. They were like, he'll die if he doesn't have, like, he was that addicted.
0: That's crazy. Yeah. And
1: let him bring it with him? Yeah. They're like, this is the least of your charges you can bring the heroin.
0: Just openly do it in front of us. We'll yeah. just add a charge or two. Don't worry. Yeah. You, All the rest of it's going yeah, yeah. to be way worse for you. So, so at least don't be shaking through the whole night. Yeah. At trial, Michael
1: and Freeze were both sentenced to 10 to 20 years for manslaughter. Manslaughter. Um, he eventually, in prison, would get clean. Oh, good. Uh, it didn't happen right away.
0: I'm so glad. Um,
1: and he also learned how to paint in jail. Oh. Yeah. In prison, he would also do an interview with Michael Musto, and he would say, quote, I know why I blabbed. I must have wanted to stop me. Oh. I was spinning out of control. It's like the old saying, what do you have to do to get attention around here? Kill somebody? (laughs)
0: Which is like... So I did, and I still can't get attention.
1: (laughs) So he was up for parole a couple times, Mm -hmm. and the first time he told the, the parole person, like, they made a movie about me. And then the parole person watched the movie, and he was like, no, you're not getting
0: out. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Oh, it turns out you're a total dickwad. Yeah. You can
1: stay in prison for a while longer. Yeah. So he eventually would get out on parole in 2014. Oh. And part of his parole conditions is that he is not allowed to contact the parents or family of Angel. Hmm. And apparently it's really hurting him because he wishes they could all get closure. And
0: I'm like, dude, you killed him. Yeah. No. You don't get closure if they don't want you to get closure. So Fuck. He's incredibly. Gra- I, I would love you to tell me more about how Michael can make this about himself. Yeah, <laughs> he has. He has actually. What? Yeah. What
1: a shock! So he's incredibly grateful that he has another chance to be a human in
0: society after hitting rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Next season, um, he's going to be on America's Worst Cooks. You know, <laughs> God. <laughs> Don't give that guy a knife. No, he's he will be on America's Worst Plumbers.
1: Yeah. Oh. Oh. So, apparently, James St. James was supposed to pick him up at prison mm-hmm. when he got released and record it for, like, World of Wonder or Logo or something like that. Yeah. But he, like, missed his flight. Uh, Oops. Oh, no. And I'm like, frenemies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, he hit rock bottom, right? And, and that being said, he's been using Grindr. Or had for a while in 2018. It was really unclear with the article. He's been using Grinder to hook up with people and stay at their place to stay off the streets because Ooh. he has been homeless for a while. Jeez. But he started selling his paintings, I guess, and he's starting to make money
0: again. And he's okay. got a
1: YouTube channel now, which is this is wild. what he's up to now. Yeah, he. This he's is also, crazy to
0: me that this is like that now. This is a person that you can just interact with again. Right. Well, he's also
1: Ur. doing party promotion again. I think he's like back at the club scene, but he's You're not using. Kidding. No, which is what well, I'm like. You shouldn't be allowed to do anything
0: at the parties. I, yeah, no. So anyway, although I mean, if you know, did he's, he's, did pet, his he's paid his debt to society. Yeah, so, yeesh. Okay, okay. What is the bright side? Woof! We made it through. We did. That was that. Woof. That was a journey. Yeah. That was a journey. You weren't kidding. I wasn't kidding. You weren't kidding. It was. It uh. was deep to the bowels of human sadness. Yes. <laughs> So, I expect one of the bright sides is that justice was done. That is correct. The truth came out. Yes. Because the murderer was saying it left and right. But, <laughs> hey, you <laughs> yeah. know, good, still good police work. Right. Uh, <laughs> well, so.
1: I have a couple ones that are kind of wild, which you wouldn't think would have come from this. Okay. But um, So, the first is, obviously, that the justice was served, mm-hmm. obviously, hands down. The second is that Michael actually got clean, finally after all of that, like I could see someone who went through all that really struggling to get clean, especially with the, the pain of knowing that you murdered someone. Yeah. I feel like it would be real easy to be like, you know what? I'm just going to escape because that's easy. Yeah. And so I appreciate
0: the fact that he's like, no, I fucked up and I, I'm going to do better. It is huge to see people who like, you know, because people should, whether or not they are high when they do a thing, are still accountable for the thing they do. Right. But it is it is great to see someone accept their responsibility and move on because a lot of drug addicts never get to that point. Right. So I I, I agree with you that it's wonderful that he has been able to confront his own past and try to live past it. Yeah, and definitely a bright side. Whenever anybody who uses and is an addict gets clean, it is a bright side. Yeah. For sure. Um, his club kids
1: actually helped revive the LGBTQ club scene and also community in time of the AIDS crisis. That's true. And that was a huge one because our community was falling apart. Yeah. And because of him and because of his club kids having a safe space again, because mm-hmm. the safe spaces were disappearing. Yeah. And it, it really could have, if we, if we hadn't banded together during that time, I could easily see the LGBTQ community being really fractured at yep. this point. yeah, And for sure. so I give him a, a lot of, I mean, there are other people bringing us together as well, but I, I really do think that that played a major role in it. Yep. And so I give, I give them a lot of credit for that. And because of the club kids, a lot of those people went on to do amazing stuff in society like RuPaul, hey, like for, your friend, for example like, Ru- yeah. RuPaul. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, uh, you know, which I think, I think, RuPaul, what what RuPaul has done is take all of the DIY spirit and the over-the-top, you know, push-the-envelope kind of um, uh, aesthetic, but also imbue it with self-love. Right. And imbue it with stuff that's not just all about me, except for, like, I'm promoting me because I'm worth something. Right. You know, which I don't feel like was the same kind of... Um, attitude that these guys have. Right. You know, it, So I think that RuPaul has taken some of the best aspects of it, the creativity yeah. and such, and just elevated it to, f- first, something that can reach a wider audience, but also something that really empowers the people who participate in it. Right. And, and it, values those people.
1: Yeah, because if you think about it, the club kids back then were very like, screw you and screw the norm. Mm-hmm. And drag still is that to an extent. Yeah. But... It's become softer. It's become yeah. it's become not so angry, but much as a celebration of we can be different. Yeah, it's no longer a "fuck you, I'm different." It's a "look how great we are together when we're different." Hmm. And so that's a kind of a nice message out I there. I kind of love well. that. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. So so yeah, there's a, the club kids had a messy history. They
0: did, but like you know, they came together. Yep. And uh, and they're making it work now. Yeah. They found a way to love themselves. Yeah, a lot of them. Well, and apparently Freeze has gone on to find work
1: elsewhere and he hasn't really been in touch with Michael at all. That's probably good. And I'm like, that's a yeah. great plan. Get right. a new
0: roommate. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Different roommate.
1: When you have a roommate who encourages you to cut up someone, mm-hmm. you probably need to get a new roommate. Probably move.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. So, well, thank you. Yeah. This, this was quite a quite a thing. Now I, I mean I, I knew a bunch of this, but also there was aspects of this that were totally out of left field for me. Was not quite ready for, but I'm <laughs> glad I know about it now. This is oh thank you everybody for listening. Please join us again next week for some other crazy crap. Yeah, uh, <laughs> keep rating and review us. We'll see you next time. See you soon. Bye bye. I have been here for hours. Where is my coke? We hope you've liked this episode of The Bright Side with Kevin and Jason. If you did, please throw us some stars and give us a review on iTunes. It really helps others find the show. And if you didn't, just keep it to yourself or tell your diary.
1: You can find us on Twitter and Instagram, at Brightside K and J, and on Facebook,
0: at The Bright Side with Kevin and Jason. All our past episodes are also streaming on our website, www.TheBrightSideWithKevinAndJason.com. Until next week, don't forget to look on, on the, the bright side. side.